Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Coming to you once again from Hot Springs Village, Arkansas, high atop the Highway 7 Ridge Line from TSPN. That's the Survival Podcast Network headquarters, a.k.a. The Ant Hill. Today is April the 4th, 2012, and uh, this is episode 873 of the Survival Podcast, and it is a Wednesday, so we're on hump day on the way over. Got a great guest for you, returning for his seventh appearance, seventh appearance, a seventh appearance, Mr. Stephen Harris, guru of all things, and I shouldn't even say alternative energy, but guru of all things energy and home-brewed energy. I'm going to have him on in just a minute. Let's go ahead and take care of our sponsors first. Sponsor of the day number one, BulkAmmo.com. Your gun with no ammo is what? That's right, an overpriced club. That's all it is. You might as well have a baseball bat rather than a gun. I guess you could pawn it or hawk it or barter with it and give it away, but without ammo, it really doesn't serve you any purpose. And not only do you need enough ammo for it to use it, let's say, tomorrow if somebody kicks your door, and you need enough ammo to be able to train with it effectively to make sure that you're able to revert to your highest level of training in a crisis situation. So get on over to Bulk Ammo. You'll get uh, incredible pricing. Lightning fast shipping and all the common calibers are sitting there waiting for you to buy from them. Check them out today. Remember, they do offer a special deal to member support brigade members. So before you buy from Bulk Ammo, if you're MSB, do check out the MSB first uh, and see uh, what kind of discount that they uh, that they offer you. Next up today, uh, MERS Radio. Now, what I love about MERS is, first of all, you can buy it and use it out of the box without having to get a license or anything like that. Second of all, uh, it gives you a really great high-quality level of communications in, let's say, a neighborhood-sized area, a mile or two, uh, and it, it, it just works great. Five frequencies and five sub-frequencies, so it's easy to find a frequency if there does happen to be another MERS user near you uh, that they're not using so that you can keep your, your communications to yourself and not be interfered with by other people's communications. Then add to that you can get these motion detectors and you can put them out on your property and it'll send to your handheld or your base station something that sounds kind of like this. Alert Sector 1. Alert Sector 1. When it detects movement or heat where that detector is. So this could be used to find out what's, I don't know, digging up stuff in your garden at night so you can put a bullet in it because that's what's about to happen at my place. Uh, I had something dig out a lavender plant last night. It looked like a person did it. I'm thinking it was a masked bandit raccoon. He might be raccoon stew if this keeps up, and MERS might help me get him. It also would let me know if somebody out there, like a two-legged rat, was walking around, and I needed to know that as well. So MERS, secondary communication plus security, one package. Awesome, awesome stuff. Check it out. Rob over there that runs MERS, and it's MERS, M-U-R-S, dash radio. There's a dash in there. And the best way to make sure you don't have to worry about that, go to the Survival Podcast, click on the, on the banner. But Rob, who runs that company, he only has like a dozen products. If you don't know what you need, if you're not sure, pick the phone up and call Rob. He will get back to you. He may not get back to you during business hours because he also works the job. This is why I love what I do. I get to help small business people that are building something on, on, you know, for, their, for themselves at the same time they're working for somebody. But he'll get back to you. He'll call you. He speaks English, right? And he, he knows what he's doing. And he'll say, here's what you need. This is what it does. And sometimes he might say, you know what? To increase your range, you might want an external antenna for the one you're going to keep in your 
your vehicle. Here's where you can buy one. I don't sell that. This is the best price. Or he might say, you know what, for what you want to do, my equipment's not right for you. Here's where I think you should go. That's an honest business person. He's built a great business because of that. Check him out today, MERS-radio.com or MERS-radio.com. Use the same keystroke, but some people call it a hyphen. Some people call it a dash. Uh, next up, I want to uh, thank everybody that emailed me uh, yesterday. Uh, I couldn't get back to everybody because I'm stuck with my iPhone while I'm still trying to get my stuff fixed from Wild Blue. Uh, a, a listener out there that actually uh, does contract work for Wild Blue or is a reseller, I'm not sure I'm going to find out more because he's really helped me out. I uh, got somebody to come out there yesterday. The guy was there for like seven hours and couldn't fix the problem. He needs a different part. I don't know. He's coming back this afternoon. At least that's the story. And uh, we'll get my internet back. But I didn't have internet up. And what everybody was getting in touch with me about yesterday was their concern for, for my family uh, that, that was down in Dallas yesterday, obviously. My son, my, you know, my wife's family, basically, and my son. And uh, the tornado that hit down there in the, let's say, Kennendale, South Mansfield, South Arlington area uh, actually went right by everybody. Um, in fact, if you actually were to look at a map of like where my sister-in-law lives, my other sister-in-law lives, my son lives, and my father-in-law lives, there's like this alley. And the tornado literally went through that that alley. It, it just missed them completely. Uh, the, the apartments down the street from where my son lives were just devastated and his were untouched. So uh, we had thought that his apartments were hit based on reports that came in from the area. It ended up being this other complex, but he was actually paying for his vehicle tags. So uh, And he was in a really safe, big, heavy government building when the tornadoes were hitting. So I guess paying your taxes in one instance actually paid off. Uh, at least for him. So thanks to everybody that asked. and it, I didn't get back to you because it was just too many people to be trying to answer on an iPhone. And I was still getting information as this was going on. I mean, if you watched the Weather Channel or anything yesterday, you know. Any uh, any folks down there in that area that were affected, man, our heart goes out to you. I think there's going to be a lot of relief effort in the area. The one thing about a big metro area like Dallas is unless you take everything out, there's plenty of people to move in and help once the stuff clears. And uh, so I know, for instance, my brother-in-law, who's a police officer in Grand Prairie, uh, pretty much spent the entire night working mutual aid calls with adjoining cities. So uh, there's a lot of support there. And it doesn't look like it was anywhere near the devastation that occurred to places like, you know, Birmingham last year. It, it looked like we had a lot of touch-and-go action. But the tornadoes were significant. Um There was footage, uh, many of you may have seen already, where it hit a Flying J truck stop in a truck yard next to it. And uh, it was it was throwing tractor trailers up into the air like toys. Uh, that was that was some pretty impressive evidence that there are some dangerous things out there. We need to be prepared as possible. And once again, I listened to the freaking newscasters telling everybody to go to their basement, and I just want to scream. No one in North Texas, anyway, that I know of, has a freaking basement, you tools. Um, and then telling people, you know, like, if there's a tornado, get out of your car. Don't stay in your vehicle. Well, I guess if it's on a direct course for you and you can't get away, then maybe and if there's a building somewhere. But, you know, what are you supposed to do? Get out. So I think that we need better planning for what to do in the case of a tornado. And I think the talking heads on the TV do a good job of warning us and telling us where it's coming. But telling people what to do, I don't think, is really a great idea. Um, if you're mobile in your car and you can keep moving and you see a tornado moving a certain way and you can move the other way, stay in your car and, and do that. 
Um, if it's coming down the road, following the road like a train behind you, and you're trying to outrun it, odds are you're not going to outrun it. So you need to find some way to get out of the pathway. Um, and in that case, they're right. But in, in some other instances, what they say just doesn't make sense. When they advise people in mobile homes, get out of your, your mobile home and go to a sturdy building. Well, what if there's not a sturdy building around there? Uh, and that means some of us need to think about putting in better tornado shelters, myself included. Uh, every once in a while, nature gives us a wake-up call. So thank you to all of you that inquired about what was going on. I know that the reason I didn't get back yesterday was because um, I just didn't have the logistics, and I was also concerned in making sure everybody was okay. And frankly, by the time I was sure everybody was okay, I had a couple drinks and took a nap on the couch. Because uh, you get the adrenaline up, when the adrenaline goes down, you're done. Anyway, I know that goes long, but I did want to say that. Remember, uh, also, you guys can connect with me on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. You can do that at the site, Member Support Brigade. Uh, I'm not going to say much about that because Steven actually kind of really sold it harder than I ever do in the interview. Uh, but I'll just say about Member Support Brigade right now before we get into the interview. If you are military, law enforcement, or Peace Corps, active duty, prior service, please email me before you join. First responders like Fire and EMS, I, I do that discount for you guys as well. Uh, just put something like service discount in your subject line and email me, jack at the survivalpodcast.com, and I'll send you your special service discount. All right. With that, it gives me great pleasure at this time to uh, welcome back Guru of All Things Energy, uh, and one of one of coming one of my good friends, Stephen Harris. I also want to tell you that in the first, I'd say, 10, 15 minutes of this interview, you're going to hear him talk an awful lot about one of his products, almost to the point where you might go, oh, "This almost sounds a little infomercialist." And uh, you know, if you've listened to the show for a long time, then you know I don't let that go on. Uh, if you're a new listener, just trust me, I don't let that go on. So you might wonder why I would let Steve, Steve do this, because he's not really selling. He's just very excited uh, about what he's put together. And what I and the other reason I'm willing to do this is because he's had this product with this little still that you can put on your table for a long time, and it's a great product. I've used it myself. It works. And when it first came out, it was at one level of performance, and there were other things you needed to get for yourself, and there were other hurdles to get over. And then he you know, did things like brought the zeolite to it that actually helps you get the last bit of water out of the ethanol uh, and make it immediately usable as fuel in a vehicle. Then, now he's got something I'll let him talk about today that makes the whole process even easier and reduces the amount of energy and work and time and inconvenience necessary to produce your own fuel. And at this point, a person really can, with nothing more than a few watts of electricity, go find places like donut shops that are throwing away donuts and, or bread shops that are throwing away bread and use a five-gallon bucket and no heat source and turn out two gallons, four gallons, depends on how many stills you want to run of fuel a week for pennies on the dollar. And that's why I'm going to let him spend a little bit more time on that. I just wanted to give some clarification on that. And one final thing before I bring Stephen on, at one point in the call, let's say about 15 minutes in, I think, or maybe 10, you're going to hear a distinctive change in the fidelity of Steve's voice. He'll still be very clear, very easy to understand, but he's going to go from you know that deep, good fidelity that you get on a good microphone to the less fidelity you get on a telephone. We had some kind of headache yesterday uh, with his internet connection that he was taught he would be talking and saying, "Well, Jack, see what you do is you take the bucket and then you." 
And you see, and that just doesn't work. So we, uh, we stopped the call after several attempts to fix the problem and just brought him in by phone. So you'll hear that point. Don't think anything's gone wrong with your speakers of anything or anything. It was the best we could do under the circumstances. And with that, again, I want to welcome back, uh, again, one of my good friends uh, for his, I believe, seventh appearance. Right, Stephen? Seventh appearance. The all-time record holder for uh, TSP, isn't it? It absolutely is. There's, there's no doubt about that. So, uh, I mean, we had left a little bit undone on, uh, on ethanol in the last appearance, and then we're going to go over a bunch of other alternative technologies that we didn't get to cover last time because we went like an hour and 20 minutes and still had a ton to go. Uh, but you want to kind of recap some stuff for us? Yeah, there? I will. I will because, see, um, my sixth appearance was supposed to be and is. Uh, I'm dishing out everything on all the forms of energy of what works and what doesn't work. It's a giant overview. Uh, my previous shows, I've covered biomass. I covered gasification. I covered ethanol. I covered solar heat in detail. You can go to solar1234.com and get links to all of my previous shows. And uh, so it, this is kind of like an overview, recap, and update. In the last show, the sixth show, I covered solar heat, solar photovoltaic electric, biogas that makes methane, biomass gasification, which makes uh, syngas, CO and H2. I covered ethanol, which I have a really neat update for you on now. I covered water power. And now, guys, the only form of water power in the entire world is a dam, okay? And I covered micro dams and micro turbines. And I covered wind energy in the last show, which is something you'll really want to listen to. Very cool. And uh, we were chatting before you got uh, started here, and uh, we were talking about some stuff with the ethanol that you mentioned. And you've got some stuff that I actually consider like groundbreaking, maybe earth-shattering, uh, especially that it's going to be available to normal people like like me. Yeah, um, I, I do. I do. And... Uh, it's really, it's really a, um, it's something that ADM, Archer Daniels Mid Midland, and Monsanto had, and all the big boys had, and they've had it for like five to ten years, but it wasn't available to you and me. Well, I have a little bit of a chemistry background, and I have a, a little bit of a customer base, and you know I'm sizable enough in the industry, and uh, I know what I'm talking about. I speak the language. And I called up um, some of these places, and I talked to them, and I found the right guy. I found their expert on enzymes, and I had a long conversation with him. And and we said, yeah, sure, we'll supply this to you. We'd be happy to supply this to you. You know, I got to buy it in decent sized quantities, but I'm going to resell it. But what it is, it's called simultaneous sacrification and fermentation. Now. As a little bit of a recap for you, uh, all ethanol, every bit of alcohol and ethanol is fermented from one thing, sugar. It's not fermented from corn or wheat or flour or, or, you know, it's not fermented from that. It's fermented from sugar. The thing is, you take your potatoes, your corn, your wheat, your donuts, your waste bread, your, you know, flour that's no good, those are starches. Those are called polysaccharides. They're long chains of sugar. And what you do is monosaccharides, simple sugars, that the yeast will eat. And this is the same type of sugar that you and I eat is monosaccharide. 
And to do that, you had to do what was the cooking process. You had to mix up your mash, you know, you know uh, take uh, a drill and a bucket full of donuts and water and mix it up into a slurry. Then you had to cook it. You had to heat it up to about between 180 and 212 degrees Fahrenheit. And you had to add one enzyme at that temperature, stir it up, let it sit, let it cool down to 140 degrees, add a second enzyme, mix it up again, let it sit, then cool it down to 85 degrees Fahrenheit, and then pitch in your yeast and let it ferment. Well, it's also a lot of energy use. You have to heat the whole thing up to near boiling temperature. I mean, that's a big pot of mash and a big heater like the one you use for cooking turkeys outside. And that's a lot of propane or natural gas or a lot of wood heat to get it up to boiling. you got to babysit the thing and make sure it doesn't get too hot and everything and pitch in the, the enzymes and wait for it to cool down. I mean, it can take a while for something to cool down from 200 degrees to 140 degrees, okay? So that's time that you're babysitting and you're adding the other enzyme. And then you got to let it cool down again from 140 down to ambient, which might be overnight before you add your yeast. And then you ferment the monosaccharides that were converted from starch over into ethanol. And then you're going to distill the ethanol out of the wash. Well, that is called sacrification. Okay. And what I'm bringing to the table and I'm making available to everyone, it's not out yet. I mean, today is April 4th, 2012. You might be listening to this in a month from now or a decade from now, but when you go to imakemygas.com, and there will be a link on solar1234.com, and you see me mentioning and making something for sale called Constellation SSF020, that's it, okay? This is what this is is simultaneous sacrification and fermentation. So all you have to do is put all your donuts into a bucket, add water, take a big drill with a, a paint mixer on it, make a big slurry on it, make it sure it's at it's at 85 degrees Fahrenheit. And up here in the north, we might put like a brew belt on it to heat it up to 85 and keep it. Jack, where you are, you're just going to put it on your back porch. Yeah, and so, if it's a little cooler than that out, I could probably paint it black. Yeah, exactly. So so now you're going to add the Constellation enzyme into the mixture at 85 degrees Fahrenheit, and you're going to add your, your turbo yeast at the same time, okay? Guys, no cooking, no heating. You just add it at the same time, and in two to three days, you have the same result as if you did the cooking process. In two to three days, you have what was donuts in water and instantaneously fermented into alcohol and days ready for distillation so that's the basics of it i mean i'm really trying to change this whole industry i'm really trying to make it available for the little person for you to be able to get a waste source of energy as in two-day-old donuts you see one-day-old donuts for sale you never say two-day-old donuts for sale those get thrown (laughs) in the trash so you can get uh, farm bread, you know, bread goes from the store, and then it goes to the outlet store. What happens when it doesn't sell from the outlet store? Well, they sell it by the pickup truck load for feed the pigs. And you can get this priced by the pound. So it's really great stuff because bread, flour, uh, donuts, all this stuff is starch that will convert over with the, with the Constellation SSF into a sugar. And now you can have really cheap fuel. And speaking of really cheap fuel, I have a way for you to get your fuel even cheaper. 
And the thing I got to tell you about is I'm a member of this. It's called the uh, Membership Support Brigade. It's from Jack at the Survival Podcast. It's packed full of discounts from all of his sponsors. Plus, you get even more discounts from people like me. You get 15% off my stuff. I've used the discounts when ordering stuff. I got to go order something. I check Jack's people and say, yeah, they got what I want, and I get the discount and I order it. And it works really good. But, Jack, I mean, tell me a little bit in the new people a little bit more about the MSB, and then I'll tell you what I'm going to offer. Well, cool. I mean, I, I say it at the beginning of every show, but obviously what we have, it's, it, frankly, it's not all our sponsors. Most of our sponsors do a discount. In total, there's about 32 supporting vendors, including yourself, that do that. I'm always shaking people down for another discount. Can't wait to hear what I'm going to get from you this time. Um, but, you know, what it allows people to do is basically support the show at 20 cents an episode and save money. Okay. So, you, And you've been supporting it for a long time. You give a discount off one of your websites there. And I think you're going to tell us that you have something back in stock and you're going to give us a discount on that in addition to a sale price or something like that? Yep, yep. Yes, I, yes, I definitely do. Um, what I have is I have the ethanol stills coming back in stock next week. I am shipping positively next week. Everything is coming in by the pallet load. So you can go to imakemygas.com and buy the ethanol still. Uh, right now, so you're going to pre-order it for a week, and then I ship it next week. You'll have it in about two or three weeks or less. And uh, there'll be links, on, again, solar1234.com. And the MSB discount used to – all my books and DVDs, okay, on ush2.com and knowledgepublications.com. All my books and DVDs, all MSB members get 15% off all day long. I am going to, for this time only, I am going to let all the MSB people apply their 15% discount to the ethanol stills and the ethanol stills and packages. So a still starts at $215 just for the still. So with your MSB discount, you get $32 off right there, and you're buying it for $182 plus shipping. And... I have a whole combo kit that includes distill, the distiller, the thing that you put the mash into, plug into the wall, and the alcohol comes out of. I got the alcohol measurement kit, so you can tell that I got 40% alcohol coming out this time. I got 80% alcohol coming out this time. I got 85% alcohol coming out on the third distillation. I got the starter kit, Jack, which you've not seen yet, but it's an eight-gallon plastic container with a lid and fermentation lock and a spigot at the bottom. So you got plenty of room to put in all of your donuts or all of your sugar and your water and your yeast, and it's got room to bubble up. Uh, that's new to the system, uh, the complete starter kit. Plus, I got the Bible of alcohol production. I got the book that, if you listen to the previous show, Jack dropped onto the desk with a thud. Okay, it's alcohol can be a gas. I got the book and the DVD that comes in the in the combo. It's 660 pages in the book, and the DVD is three and a half hours. Plus, the combo comes with the zeolite, so you can get the last 10% of the water out of your alcohol. So you can then mix that 50-50 with gasoline and put it into your car right now. Any car, no flex fuel vehicle needed. Any car right now, 1983 or newer, will run on alcohol and gasoline mixed 50-50. So just that, because I like to drop stuff, here's that book again. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta love it. 
That's one big bug. It'll stop a nine millimeter bullet. I, I believe it. So that's four hundred and fifteen dollars, okay, for everything that I just mentioned, and that's a lot, okay. I mean, that's a lot for four fifteen. And the MSB people, that's sixty two dollars off. So that's about three fifty plus shipping for for the MSB people. So you get your entire MSB discount. I mean, you're, you get your entire MSB first year membership back instantly if you join it just to get the alcohol stuff from me. And then you're going to be making cheap fuel. Awesome. So my, the question everybody's wondering right now, when's it going to be, do you think, that you're going to have this new enzyme thing, this constellation or whatever it was called? Yeah, probably about a month. Okay. Probably about a month, just before summertime, just when it's nice weather for so you can put it out and let the uh, let it work outside for you at the right temperature. It doesn't have to be 85 or it doesn't have to be stuck at 85. It just has to be 85 or warmer. So okay, anything between 85 and 100 is just fine for it. You know, there's two things I want to say about this before we move on to cover all this other technology you're here to talk about today. Number one, I don't want people to discount the the, the larger implications on biofuel of eliminating that energy input to the process. Um, that's why I said I think it's like earth shattering because now I've taken a major energy input and I've eliminated it. I haven't reduced it. I've eliminated it because, well, it may be exciting. Some cooler climates maybe have to warm it up, but it, with just time of the year brewing, 85 degrees is pretty easy to come by in most of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing about this is I, when it comes to doing stuff in the summer, I don't do a lot of my beer brewing in the summer because standing over a pot of 180-degree wort that I'm holding there for a mash period is not fun when it's 110 degrees out. And I've just eliminated uh, that completely. Uh, so I've eliminated the inconvenience, uh, the sweating, and I've eliminated the energy input. So I think it's huge that you've done that, Steve. And I've never even heard of this before. So, you know, thanks for, for getting that information out there and getting a supply of this stuff. And, I'll get uh, some down to you so you can do the same thing and tell the people awesome. about it. Awesome. And I'll tell you, I mean, the other thing is you mentioned Monsanto, and if you're if you're getting something that only they had access to and it does something good, that's like two birds with one stone for me because they're like my least favorite people in the world, and I love to see good done. So that's uh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm really trying to bring it to you. See, I'm also the only person in the world right now that has a video that shows you how to uh, get the last bit of water out of your alcohol with zeolite. Zeolite is like their little ceramic beads and they absorb water. You can only get 90% uh, alcohol out of the still and you need 95% to mix completely with gasoline so it'll run in your car. So you throw in these beads of zeolite into your alcohol, it absorbs the water and then you pour the pure alcohol out and you mix it with gasoline. There's no instructions on the internet on how to use a molecular sieve called zeolite 3A on how to do this with alcohol. I mean, it was only to the big boys. And let alone, my video shows you then how to take those beads and regenerate them so you can use them over and over like a thousand times and how to do it safely. Because if you don't do it safely, you'll burn your house down. Um, So I'm the only person with a video that does that, and I'm going to be bringing out a video for the Constellation SSF, and I'm going to be the only person in the world with a video that shows you step-by-step how to do the sacrification of starches over the sugars and then ferment them and uh, do the alcohol process. And if you just want to know how to convert sugar over to alcohol and distill it into uh, moonshine or fuel, you can go to imakemygas.com right now 
and there will be a video up the top, upper left. Just click on it. It will play. It's 23 minutes long. It's free. It will show you everything on fermenting your own wash and then distilling it, and you'll see me mix it with gasoline. You'll see everything right there for nothing. So that video I, I just give away. And so that about uh, wraps it up on alcohol. Again, the stills are available at uh, imakemygas.com. Uh, they'll be shipping in about one week. And uh, there'll be links on sober1234.com. And I'm really trying to knock it out of the park with, for you guys with this because this is something you can make at home and put directly into your tank and drive on it without modifications and, you know, really tell those people who hate us who we buy oil from to go screw themselves. <laughs> and, I mean, we're not talking about making 100 gallons a week here or something like that, but you're still – uh, which is like tabletop thing, it looks like a coffee maker, uh, plugs in, can run on a timer from Walmart that costs a couple bucks, can turn out a reasonable amount per week, especially now that I don't have to sit there and boil all this stuff. Yeah, see, that's the other thing I did with this little uh, alcohol still. Like you said, it's like the size of a coffee maker. Um, it does one gallon of wash at a time. We, I show you how to automate it with a timer. So you can set it before you go to work and let it run. When you come home from work, you can set it let it run during the evening. Then you set it before you go to bed. So you can get it distil doing distillations three times a day for you with no input. And, again, if you ever did alcohol distillation before, you got to have one of those, like, tall columns that you see on TV and, you know, a big pot. you got to sit there and babysit it. you got to watch the temperature at the top of the column, make sure it's the right temperature, adjust the flame up and down. It's a pain, okay? This little electric still with a timer just makes it easy, and that's what I'm all about. I'm making it easy for you. What would you say, before we move on, because we're going to talk about all these other all technologies here, what would you say is a reasonable output for one still a week, uh, not taking the fermentation into account? Once I have the wash, because I, I can get that going in batches, right? So right. What, what, what can I do with one still a week? Gallons, a couple gallons, depending on how fast gallons you're running and everything else. And the thing is, the still is only 200 bucks. If you try to sure. go and get a two-and-a-half-inch column still, yeah. Um, that's a tall one. It's only going to produce half a gallon or less an hour, maybe a quart an hour at 190 proof. It, and so that's going to be 650 bucks. So, so for the price of, you can get three of my stills for the price of those stills. Put them all on the same darn timer, and and let them run. And and so you're producing, you know, 10 gallons uh, a week right there, and that's 10 gallons of your own fuel that you made in your house. And, if and you're getting we, 20, did do the, we did the math on the energy, and it doesn't take very much energy. No. In fact, if, if you get – I show you where to buy sugar really cheap. They're called salvage grocery stores. You can get it for less than 10 cents a pound. I got a customer got 1,900 pounds of sugar for 114 bucks. That's 155 gallons of 200-proof ethanol he got for 114 bucks. You throw in a little bit of uh, money for the uh, distillation, the electricity – I mean, you're talking two bucks a gallon and less if you get your sugar at less than ten cents a pound, and donuts are going to be even cheaper. So you're looking at you know from a buck to a buck fifty for your own gallon of ethanol fuel that'll run in your car. And before you start yelling at me about it's going to eat my fuel system and all this, <laughs> look, this is stuff you drink. Okay, yeah, you yeah. drink it. It yeah. doesn't, you know. I it's know. not sulfuric acid. It doesn't eat your throat all the way down, and you don't disappear from the inside out like a phaser blast, okay? <laughs> if it's not harming the tissue of your throat, it's not going to harm the stainless steel and components in your fuel system. 
And, and once we've done the whole thing with the zeolite and all, we can dump this straight into a gas tank. But do we run it straight? Do we run it with a mix of gasoline? I mean, what's the right ratio? So the easiest way to do it, I showed this in the video, and I'm revealing some of the secrets to the video because I love your people so much. You just, let's say you got eight gallons of gasoline in your tank. You just go add two gallons of your own ethanol to it and just start driving. So you cool. don't have to mix it first and then pour it in. I got you, you. You just make sure you got enough in your tank, and then you just pour it in the tank, and, and, and away you go. I mean, it mixes absolutely instantly. It's called it's fully municipal. With but I'm just I'm looking for more of the you know the ratio, how much gas I've got in, and how much ethanol I add. So about a four to one ratio then. Uh, no, you can do two, one to one. You can okay. go up to one to one, but start with four to one, then go to three to one, then go to two to one. See how it runs. And, and then go one to one. And if okay. you have any problems with the stalls or sputters or whatever, just put in some more gasoline and away you go. Okay. Um, I mean, it's really not rocket science. It used to be rocket science, but I'm making it kitchen science just for you. Awesome, awesome. And the, the still is awesome, dude. It just sits there. And I, I think anybody that walked in your house would just figure you're making coffee or tea or something. Oh, yeah, Any, exactly. exactly. Anyway, let's let's move on because we were going to cover a whole bunch of stuff here. And what works, what doesn't work, the, the insider secrets. I mean, you worked at Chrysler. You worked in their hydrogen fuel program. Uh, you're a chemist. Uh, so you know some things that we generally don't hear about. So one thing we skipped over last time is another type of al alcohol called methanol. Right. Can you okay. tell us about methanol? Okay, don't confuse the two, methanol and alcohol. Now, methanol is actually corrosive to uh, aluminum, okay? And you had to have a special fuel system all the way through your car to run on methanol. And it's kind of been bypassed. I got some good books on it. Methanol is also called wood alcohol. It's the, if you drink this alcohol, it's the one that makes you go blind. Um, it's a simpler alcohol. It's a great alcohol. It burns nice. It would be great fuel for the nation. It's actually more simple to uh, manufacture on a petrochemical scale. Uh, it's poisonous to ingest it, and, and, and it's poisonous if you spill large amounts on your skin. But, I mean, guess what? So is gasoline. Gasoline contains benzene. Benzene is a huge uh, carcinogen, so you don't want to spill gasoline on, your, on yourself either. So handling methanol is no different than handling gasoline. Uh, like I said, it's corrosive to some metals. You've got to have a special fuel system. Uh, it's not really a fuel you can make at home. I actually have a book, um, and I'll put a link to it on Solar 1234. It talks about how you can dist dist distill methanol and other liquids out of woods. Of wood, that is in W-O-O-D, as in stuff you cut down. Uh, you can get methanol out. You can get turpentine, uh, turpentine out, and also a whole family stuff called terpenes come out of it, which can be a fuel. But the thing is, uh, just for looking forward for you guys' information, it can be synthesized. Methanol is pretty straightforward to synthesize, uh, not on a home scale, but if you've got really good chemical knowledge, it can be synthesized directly from the gases that are made from a gasifier. So in the previous show, I talked about the GEC gasifier from All Power Labs, that it's the best gasifier on the planet. You throw in your wood or you throw in your biomass scraps, and it... Uh, it combusts it, quote-unquote, with a deficiency of air so it doesn't go to full combustion and produces carbon monoxide and hydrogen. This is called syngas, and this is the building blocks for a lot of everything in the petrochemical business, so it can be made directly into methanol. And so there is potential for this in the future. I mean, there is a potential of using methanol in the future, and this is more something for me to tell you 
if you hear something on the web about it or you get interested in it, it's not there yet for you. Your car can't really quite handle it. So if someone's trying to sell you uh, magic beans and a magical cure-all for all your energy with methanol, don't buy it. it uh, it's, it's not there for you yet. If you really want to know all about methanol, I have this entire book called Biomass to Methanol. Uh, it's not a paint-by-numbers book. It's not a kindergarten book. It does cover the subject well. It's at USH2. I'll put another link in the show notes. It's sold at 1234.com. And so uh, that pretty much finishes off the subject of methanol and leads into another close subject. Jack, have you heard of people putting, like, xylene and acetone into their fuel tanks? And they say, oh, I yeah. got better fuel economy and everything. I've heard that. I've heard these things that you're supposed to put on. It's supposed to make hydrogen and, and cut your fuel usage. I'll I've cover that in a minute. I'll I've cover heard. that in a minute. But just these these pills you put in your gas tank or adding yeah. xylene, you've heard of it. Okay, anything that you hear about, uh, you know, going to Home Depot and getting a gallon of xylene or acetone, and you put two tablespoons of it into your fuel tank or whatever, it's all BS, okay? There's more xylene in your gas. Gasoline is a mixture. It's a family of chemicals dominated by benzene, okay? And it's got all the other families in there, including xylene, so your little teaspoon of your adding ain't doing nothing, okay? It's... Nothing. Now there's nothing you can add to your fuel tank that is going to improve your fuel economy. The only thing you can add to your fuel tank is ethanol that you made yourself, okay? And that improves your fuel economy because you made it. You didn't have to go buy it. And you're burning it. It's not making the gas use – it's not making your car use less gas. It's giving the car fuel. It's giving right? the car fuel. That's yeah. right. And the same thing, anything dealing with magnets on your fuel line, Anything with fuel line heaters, like, oh, we're going to heat your gasoline up before it goes into the car, so it's already looking atomized better. Baloney, okay? <laughs> BS, okay? You really want, I'll tell you a little secret, guys. You know what an internal combustion engine is? It's the same thing as a cannon, okay? Only the cannon throws its, its piston away every half cycle. Correct. That's what your car is. It's a little itty-bitty cannon that goes off multiple times a second, okay? All it's doing is squirting in fuel with air, compressing it, igniting it, bam, back goes down the piston, okay? There's really not much magi magical stuff in there, in, in there to make it go bang differently, okay? Yeah, and when you, when you I mean, just speaking as a, as a former mechanic, when you, when, you, when you squirt that gas in there and the spark plug ignites it, it's going to burn at the temperature the gasoline burns at. No. The temperature it was at when it was ignited isn't going to reflect in the burn temperature at all. Right. Now, I've never seen gas burn cold. Like if I take gas that's like you know, 30 degrees and dump yep. it on me and light myself on fire, it still hurts really bad. Yeah, yeah. whether the gasoline that you're pouring on yourself is 100 degrees or 30 degrees, it's going to hurt you real bad. <laughs> You got these tornado vortex air spinners and everything that makes a whirl of your air. It's like, okay. It says vortex. It has to work. <laughs> it, it, one, it's a restriction, okay? You might as well put a sock in your air intake to make it harder for the piston. You know, that piston coming down is pulling air from the outside through the air inlet, through the air filter, all the way through the intake ducts, all the way through the, mani you know, all the, way through the manifolds. You know, and then by the valve and into the cylinder, and then the valve closed, and the cylinder pushes it up. And for one thing, if you think any vortex is making it through the, the, the valve closing the cylinder going up, you got to be crazy. 
Okay. Completely agree. It's not doing a damn thing except putting a restriction on your air intake and actually costing uh, you fuel. So that's completely out the window. I I wanted to cover that. The theory is if I put a blower on a motor, I can increase horsepower. And of course, when I increase horsepower, I increase fuel utilization. So this is basically a horsepower restrictor. I believe we all have one of those. It's usually, it's got five toes on it. It's called your right foot. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. So. <laughs> I mean, I mean, literally, if you want, I mean, it's a long story, and I'll cover it a little bit on hydrogen, but if you really want to save fuel, you you put a block of wood underneath your, your gas pedal, such that the furthest you can push your pedal down is so you go 65 on a flat-level highway, Okay. If, and so you can only accelerate as fast as you your foot goes down against the block of wood. You can only drive 65 on the highway because your foot can't push down any further than the block of wood. That will give you more fuel economy increase than you could possibly imagine because it's all in your foot. When I was at Chrysler and you we had to do the EPA stuff, you know, the sticker on your window that says 18 yeah. miles a gallon, that rating actually came off a vehicle on a, on a stationary dynamometer in a test cell, and you had to do something called, you know, drive the line. And there was this trace on a screen of acceleration and deacceleration, and there was this box that followed the trace. And we had one guy who was a freak of nature in the entire company who would drive that trace because he could manage it and keep it right towards the lower end of that box the whole time. Oh, wow. And that would dictate the fuel economy that went onto the sticker for that vehicle, okay? So that's so, how they get the city highway. It's obviously not as much variation on the highway, and they have a whole bunch of variation on the city. Exactly. But we had a guy that had eye-foot eye coordination that was like a freak of nature, <laughs> okay? And he could drive that trace explicitly, and that's, the, that's how the EPA rating went. So this really goes to show you your fuel economy is dictated by your foot, okay? And if I throw, it's like I take a, like I take three tornado vortex spinners and I throw them into your air inlet. What I've done is I've basically put a sock in your air inlet and I've reduced the amount of air going into your cylinder. And what happens, Jack? Like you said, with a blower, you increase the pressure, you can add more fuel, you can go faster, right? What right. happens when you put a restriction on your air inlet? You get less air in, so you can put less fuel into it because the O2 sensor will detect the change and automatically adjust the fuel-to-air ratio, and you basically derated your engine, so you can't drive as fast. It's just yeah. like you, you put that block of wood underneath your accelerator. You can't yeah. push down as fast. You can't put enough fuel into it. You, can't hurt, you, know, you don't start hurting your fuel economy. It's all in your foot, and people just don't get it. On the efficiency thing, let's move on to your next thing, because it's something I'm a big believer in, and that is diesel. Diesel engines, okay? I'm going to cover diesel engines uh, in a little bit more detail. But what I really want to cover in diesel engines, there's uh, two ways to really run them. It's called waste vegetable oil and straight vegetable oil and biodiesel. So there's, there's two ways, but three, three words. Um, waste vegetable oil is the ugly, gooky stuff that comes out of the Chinese fry restaurant with all the food particles burnt in it and everything else, okay? This is waste vegetable oil. Once you take this and you run it through a bunch of filters, and you want to filter it down to one micron and because that gets everything out of it. Then you have a nice, clean oil. 
You don't want to screw up your fuel injectors on your diesel engine because those are almost as expensive as the engine itself. In fact, the fuel injectors is the reason a diesel engine works as good as it does. So once you've filtered your vegetable oil, it's now called straight vegetable oil or SVO. This will run in a diesel engine directly and it'll run well. Not so much in the cold weather, but definitely in the warmer weather. In fact, what you do, whether you're cold or warm, is you start the truck on diesel, throw the switches in the cab, so you turn off the diesel fuel, and then you run on the straight vegetable oil. And then when you stop, you turn off the vegetable oil, and you let it idle for a minute on diesel fuel before you shut it down. Okay, so when you find really good people talking about straight vegetable oil on a diesel vehicle, Steve Harris is telling you, this works. Make sure it's filtered down to one micron. Now we have something called biodiesel. And what that is, is you take your straight vegetable oil, you add methanol, and you add lye, which is sodium hydroxide, and you mix it up in a big tank, okay? Typically, there are 110-gallon tanks. They're, on, they're off the ground and everything, and they've got a mixer in it. And what happens is you get a separation of, of the glycerin and the rest of, of the process. And you separate off the glycerin sell it to someone who wants to make cosmetics or make soap or you mix it with water and pour it down the drain. And then what you have left over is called, quote-unquote, biodiesel. And this is called B100, okay? So B as in biodiesel, 100%. Sometimes you go to a gas station and it'll say B5 as in F-I-V-E. And what that means is it's 5% biodiesel, 95% diesel. So you can run on straight biodiesel. You can mix it with diesel in any combination, and you can run on it. And biodiesel runs good in the wintertime as well. So if you're looking to make your own biodiesel, biodiesel works. It's called the methanol Y process or the methanol sodium hydroxide process. It involves glycerin separation. I mean, typically a biodiesel plant, you can make it if you want out of five-gallon pails, but it's more economical to get something that's 110 or 300 gallons and do it all at once. Biodiesel, waste vegetable oil, straight vegetable oil, biodiesel, it is a dirty, messy, stinky process, okay? You are going to get your hands dirty, your clothes soiled, you're working with stuff that you just look at and you go, ick, okay, that comes out of these fry bins, and, and it stinks, it smells, and so, but if you can get a source of this uh, waste vegetable oil from restaurants, like places you go and the people you know, you get a good constant stream of it coming towards you, you got a good source of biodiesel or uh, straight vegetable oil, you're in the money. You're in the business. You will be driving cheap, and you can sell the access to your friends at uh, 50 cents less than a uh, price of diesel right now, which is $4.40 here in Pennsylvania a gallon. And away you go. But like I said, What are your make thoughts sure on commercial biodiesel? Because there's a pretty decent savings there right now. No, they're not. The commercial biodiesel people are stupid. They're brain-dead stupid. <laughs> Instead of selling it for 25 cents less than the price of diesel, they go, oh, this is biodiesel. It's friendly for the environment. We're going to charge you 50 cents more so you can drive green. See, you're you not doing idiots. This. They're not doing that er everywhere. I mean, I just had a guy email me that there's a place down in the Dallas area where he just filled up his truck with biodiesel for 50 cents less. There we go. A one, he's in Texas. 
And people in Texas are a little bit smarter, okay? They, they don't have the regulations on them. I mean, yeah. my future energy stuff is all going to be in Texas because what yeah. you can do on your land, what you want to on your land, and, you know, you've got less regulations, less government in it. Just stay and away if from someone all. is selling biodiesel for 50 cents um, less per gallon, God bless them. They just hooked themselves into a gold mine. And it's it's a great story too. So the guy's there filling up his truck, and he sees this guy with a military truck, and he walks over and starts talking to him, and he's wearing a TSP shirt. And it turned out they were both listeners to the show. <laughs> we're, we're, our, our community is growing. Okay, yeah. If you really love the TSP, get the coffee mug and the T-shirt so you can hook up with your fellow TSP members. I mean, around the world. I mean, that's pretty good, Jack. You know, yeah. To, you know, a guy walks across the road in Texas and meets another TSP listener. Well, there's a lot of us out there. But on the diesel thing, I mean, I think that we can produce the biodiesel for less than the petroleum-based diesel. Yes, you can right? because it's free. Your, your, your base component that you're getting it is it's free. I'm even saying commercially we can do it. They just, like you said up there, apparently they're not doing it. I, I was not aware of that. There's so. a couple places here in Pennsylvania that uh, have, and, and in Michigan, that have biodiesel, and they sell it at a premium. It's like, my crap doesn't stink. My biodiesel is better than, than diesel, so I should charge more for it. It's like, you idiot. And see, the big thing that makes up the price of biodiesel is the price of the methanol. you got to buy the methanol. you got to buy it from a chemical supplier. I mean, some people go down to the... Uh, to the uh, auto parts store and they buy heat, H-E-E-T, the stuff that you pour into your fuel tank in case there's water that gets into it. Um, it's You look on the back of it, it's straight methanol. You can make your first batch of biodiesel with it. It's a little expensive, but, I mean, hey, it's priceless once you've done it. And you go, oh, I understand it. Okay, that's priceless. Okay, now you can go to a chemical supply house and you can buy it by the 55-gallon drum. Sure. And it could be anywhere from $3 to $6 per gallon. It's, it was $6. Back in 2008, it was $6, $6.50 a gallon for methanol. Uh, but now it's pretty. It's going to be cheaper because we're at a world record low price for natural gas, which I'll talk about in a minute. Mm. Uh, and that methanol is made from, from natural gas. Now, one thing I'd like to point out here that I think is a, is a big deal is that uh, – the, the part of what makes this work is the inherent efficiency of the diesel motor no matter what we do with it. In my next line of my notes right here says diesel engines. My 8,000-pound Dodge diesel pickup getting 18 miles per gallon gets better fuel economy than a Toyota Prius. Absolutely. I, I get 18 miles to the gallon. My truck weighs 8,000 pounds. A Prius gets for like 47, 50 miles to the gallon. It weighs 2,000 pounds, Okay. I get better fuel economy per pound than a Prius. Diesel engines hold the world record for mass-produced engines for efficiency. The newest diesel engines, like the newest Cummings from Dodge, the newest uh, Vortex from uh, Vortex from Ford, um, the newest engines from especially VW and Daimler, they're called high-pressure direct injection engines. They're literally shooting the fuel in there between 20 and 30,000 PSI. They have what's called a higher brake thermal efficiency, which just means they have a higher efficiency. They're more efficient than a proton ex exchange membrane fuel cell. And people wow. go, oh, hydrogen fuel cells, the future, they're so efficient, blah, blah, blah. 
guess what, guys? Diesel engines. We make 10,000 of them a day uh, just in uh, a couple states around Michigan, okay, let alone the production per day around the globe. It's probably 100,000 of them per day. We make 100,000 of them per day, at least 100 horsepower to 200 horsepower each, and they have a higher thermal efficiency than a proton exchange membrane fuel cell. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, I've always felt that way, just just straight up. I mean, I drive that Jetta diesel TDI. I don't drive much anymore because I'm up in the hills now. But I drove that in town, down in Dallas, all the time. And I would tell people, you know, they say, well, "What kind of miles are you gonna get? 44, 45?" You talk to a guy with a Prius or something like that, and they sometimes I think even lie and say, "Well, I'll get 50." And I'm like, not driving it the way I drive my car. Yeah, you know, exactly. I drove that car hard. I I <laughs> put that German engineering to the test in that car every day, yeah. and it still was pulling off 40 miles, 44 miles to the gallon. Yeah, and that's with your foot. You know, now Jack, just imagine you put a piece of wood underneath your accelerator, you'll get even better. No, but, uh, stick to 40. I think 44, I'm doing my part for the environment. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And plus, now you got performance, you got pulling power, you got speed, you can go up a hill. Um, the, the Volkswagen TDIs are just absolutely fabulous vehicles. Uh, and this is from me being an engineer at, at Chrysler. Um, I remember when I was at the uh, Arizona Proving Grounds when Daimler was taking us over, and we were renting the Proving Grounds to uh, BMW, and BMW there was there. And we're talking about the merger and how pissed off we were off. It wasn't a merger. They bought us out. And, 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 and I looked at the BMW guys and I said, you'll have to teach us how to swear in German so we can swear at the Daimler people. And one of the German guys who didn't speak English too well, he goes, he goes, you'll swear, swear. What does swear mean? And he goes, Sven, Sven, uh, you know, um, I forgot the guy's name, but he said the German name. He goes, yeah, yeah, I teach you how to swear to Daimler really good. So <laughs> they taught us how to swear in German for the um, Daimler guys really good. But that about covers it for uh, for diesels. I mean, great great engines. I mean, 300,000 miles, and they're just starting to get broken in. I got 287,000 miles in mine. The yeah, truck- I mean, and I look at it this way. If I turbocharge a gas motor, its reliability goes down. If I turbocharge a diesel motor, its reliability and longevity actually goes up. Well, I mean, it's, it's, that, that has to do with the way the engine works because you can run a diesel engine lean. You can't. You always got to run a gasoline engine in a fuel-to-air ratio uh, unless you're running on hydrogen. If you're running gasoline or natural gas or propane, you got to run on a straight fuel-to-air ratio. So the fuel is always dictated by how much air is in there. A diesel engine isn't. A diesel engine sucks in a full cylinder of air, no fuel, pushes the piston up, compresses it all the way to the top. The air temperature is 15, 1,600 degrees Fahrenheit at the very top of the stroke. And the very top of the stroke, it squirts in as much diesel as needed as you're demanding with your, with, with your foot. So whether you're squirting in a mouse fart of diesel or you're squirting in, uh, you know, enough diesel to fully burn, when that diesel hits that hot air, it'll, it combusts instantly. And this is done at top dead center, and then it pushes, you know, the piston right back down. So you can run lean on a diesel. You can't run lean on, on a gasoline engine, which is what, I mean, it, it, it's, it's called a stratified charge. A gasoline engine is called a homogeneous charge. You have a homogeneous mixture of air and fuel. Uh, and it always has to be that way. A diesel engine is called a stratified charge. And that's how we get really great efficiency uh, with hydrogen, which I'll cover after natural gas and propane. It's because hydrogen has a high fuel-to-air ratio, and you can run really lean with hydrogen. 
But yeah, that's why diesel engines are just so darn awesome. It's because not only the fuel is a lot simpler, but it's it's the way the engine runs. It's it's a diesel cycle. Now, Absolutely. natural gas for cars. You ready? Absolutely. You believe this is our future for cars, right? Oh, it is. Natural gas is the future fuel for all of us. It is not only can you make natural gas. All of our landfills are making natural gas. You fart natural gas, okay? When you fart, it's natural gas coming out, CH4, methane, okay? What stinks is hydrogen sulfide and some other things, some recaptants and a few other things is what makes your fart stink. Natural gas has no odor to it. They have to add a mercaptan to it so it actually has an odor to it so you can actually detect it. Uh, natural gas is in all of our oil wells. There's big reserves of it you know, underneath. And it's all over the ocean floor. It's called methane hydrates or methane clathrates. Remember when the Gulf spill in the, the oil spill in the Gulf? Yep. They put this great big top hat over it, and the thing kept on floating up to the surface? It's because that that was 5,000 feet down. And at that temperature and pressure at the bottom of the ocean, methane becomes a solid. It becomes an ice. It's called, sometimes it's called methane ice or natural gas ice. I mean, you can literally hold it in your hand down there. And the thing is, all this natural gas is coming out with the oil going into the top hat thing meant to plug it, and it's less dense than, than water. So it was, it was trying to float this whole thing up. And I go, how ironic. The fuel of our future is stopping us from plugging up the fuel of our current day that we're having a problem with in the Gulf of Mexico. I found that incredibly ironic. But the oceans of the world, especially near the coast, are just, I mean, you think there's natural gas under us and we're only 30% of the land mass? Think of all the natural gas under the ocean. And it's in a format that's easier to get. It's, you know, in a solid and so methane clathrates, methane hydrates, I mean, it just, it, it's 10 to 100 times the amount more that we know about, let alone what we don't know about, more than what we know about what we have here, and that's a fraction of what we don't know about. So natural gas is a, just a great, great fuel. It's made of one carbon and four hydrogens, and, um, I mean, Right now, you can go to Brazil, and you can buy a Fiat, and I hate Fiats, too, especially now that they, they bought Chrysler. But uh, you can buy a Fiat in uh, Brazil, and we should have these things here. It's stupid that we don't. The fee, you can put any ratio of alcohol and gasoline in the liquid tank, and it's got a natural gas tank that you can fill up, too. And the car will run off of the alcohol, the gasoline, and the natural gas simultaneously. Or it will run off just the natural gas. Or it will run off a just liquid tank. It's any combination thereof. And if you go to cngprices.com, I'll have a link on solar1234.com, you can see a map of the United States and all of the CNG fuel pumps across the country. And if you look right now, you know what the price of compressed natural gas equal to a gallon of gasoline is in Oklahoma right now, Jack? No idea. 75 cents. Wow. Okay. <laughs> You can fill up in Oklahoma right now with a natural gas vehicle at the equivalent of buying gasoline at 75 cents a gallon. Today is April 3rd, year 2012. And right now on the commodities exchange, uh, when I looked last week, natural gas was $2.28 a million BTUs, an MMBTU. That's a world record low price, okay? It was as high as $12 
in the uh, middle 2000s. When I started my gasification work in the 90s, it was 235. So take 15 years off for inflation, go from 235 to 228. You got the world's cheapest fuel right now is natural gas. Unbelievable. Yeah, okay. And, and like I said, it's a million BTUs, 228 for a million BTUs. How many BTUs on a gallon of gasoline? I don't know. 0.12. Wow. 12% of an MMBTU. So it's like having, you know, 228 for the equivalent of eight gallons of gasoline on the exchange market right now. That's how good natural gas is. Our children and grandchildren will be driving on natural gas, let alone us driving on it. So uh, it, it, it's it's great, and I'm also a huge believer of if you got natural gas at home and you're a prepper, you want an unlimited source of energy. You don't live in California. Um, you want to have a natural gas generator. Never mind a regular generator or diesel generator and storing diesel fuel. And you know how hard it is to store gasoline. You got to put the additives with it. You got to keep it airtight, locked up, and keep the sunlight off of it. And, you know, even then it breaks down over a couple of years. Uh, so it's hard to store enough fuel. If you've got a natural gas line and generator, you have an infinite supply of fuel, unless you're in California because when there's an earthquake, they shut off the natural gas lines for obvious reasons. I've been through, you know, the blackout of 2003. I wrote a book on it. The natural gas never failed, okay? The natural gas system is powered by natural gas, of all things. The pumps, <laughs> the compressors, they're all self-powered. And I asked a guy who worked for the natural gas company who'd been there for 35 years, and I said, how long would it take for the natural gas system to fail if all the people on the planet just disappeared? He goes, six months or more. Okay. Wow. So with no one tending it, okay, like there's a plague or something, you'll still have all this natural gas to run uh, a generator. Uh, you can buy natural gas whole house generators at Lowe's and Home Depot and Costco. Your local electrician will install it for you, and you've got to put a breaker box in. If you want just a generator that runs off the natural gas itself, like a little Honda or a little Yamaha engine, that's a generator. Uh, generator Sales, G-E-N-E-R-A-T-O-R-S-A-L-E-S.com, great company. i got no affiliation with them. They're just great people. I have natural gas generators from them. There will be a link at solar1234.com. If you go to solar1234.com, I'll put up a link to my video of my natural gas generator running off of natural gas from a weather balloon floating above the generator, okay? I got a 12-foot weather balloon above my head floating above me, and I'm starting and stopping my natural gas generator off of the natural gas that's in the balloon, and I filled it up with, my line, with the natural gas in my shop. So for you peppers at home, your infinite source of... Uh, of uh, generator power is natural gas, and then your best source after that is diesel because diesel stores for an extremely long time. And, I mean, on the storage license of natural gas, it's it's natural gas. It's, it's pretty forever, much okay? All the natural gas you're pulling out of the ground is tens and hundreds of millions of years old. <laughs> so I think if you put it into a tank or the line, it's going to stay uh, CH4 for a little bit of time. <laughs> it's a tight molecule. It's not that easy to break apart. And, uh, yeah, diesels can run on natural gas or propane. In fact, there are uh, performance kits out there for uh, diesels right now that run off of propane. You can buy them off the shelf. 
what it is is for performance, though, okay? It's to make your diesel more powerful. But if you keep your foot out of your carburetor, you'll get good fuel economy and you'll drive cheaper on propane with diesel. Um, great deal of, of uh, diesel en- engines in uh, um, garbage trucks and other trucks the cities have and buses. They're diesel vehicles running on natural gas. And what they are is they run on about 5 or 10% diesel and the rest of the fuel is, comes from natural gas tanks. So a diesel engine can run on natural gas, but you've got to run 5 or 10% diesel along with it. You've got to have the cetane to get the ignition, uh, and the natural gas comes into the air intake. Now, now uh, making normal vehicles run on natural gas is really not difficult to do, right? So why do you think that there hasn't been more use of natural gas? That's easy. <clears throat> Again, it's, it's, it's the same thing with alcohol and the same thing with hydrogen. You run into the chicken or the egg prospect, which one comes first. You ha- have a vehicle that run off natural gas in order to get a bunch of fuel pumps out there to supply natural gas, or you have to have a bunch of fuel pumps out there so the industry will start making natural gas vehicles. Um, that's one of the reasons. The other reasons was Natural gas is fluffy. It takes up a lot more space, okay? So if you've got a, a gas tank that holds 27 gallons of gasoline, and you, you take out that gasoline tank and you replace it with natural gas tanks, and you're going to com- compress those natural gas tanks up to 3,000 PSI, you're going to have the equivalent of nine gallons of gasoline. It's called GGE, gallons of gasoline equivalent. You'll have nine GGE of natural gas in there where you had 27. So if you could drive 600 miles, you can now drive 200 miles. And that people didn't like that. Didn't like having only a natural gas vehicle. Plus, there was a big push to do this. They did this all during the, the, the late uh, 80s and early 90s. A lot of electric, electric and uh, utility companies went over natural gas vehicles, and people complained, oh, it doesn't have the horsepower, and you know, they thought it wasn't as powerful as their gasoline vehicle. And it's not. It's about 80% the power of a gasoline vehicle because, again, it's going in pretty fluffy. One, you're squirting in liquid fuel. The other one, you're bringing in uh, a gaseous fuel. So it's not as dense. And so some people complained about that. It's like, oh, i got to have my horsepower. I don't want natural gas. Of course, they, they weren't considering, you know, they didn't have the idea of, okay, I'm paying $4 a gallon for gasoline now, and natural gas is $0.75. Cents. Hmm. You know, do you so think the energy companies have anything to do with it as well? Though, because I mean, I've seen recently some companies reducing their exploration in natural gas and increasing it in petroleum fuels, specifically because they make more money pumping oil than gas. Well, I mean, natural gas is burnt off. I mean, they're, they're, it's called stranded natural gas. I yeah. mean, there's so much stranded natural gas coming out of wells that uh, they don't have the pipelines to get it to market. They'd get it to market if they could, but they can't, so they have to flare it off, and it's a waste byproduct, and they, they keep the oil, and uh, they, they don't keep the gas. So, no, the big boys have nothing to do with it. I don't believe in – I've worked in the higher echelons of the automobile industry. I don't believe in this, in this conspiracy stuff at all between any of the companies. I just believe in the, in the, in the stupidity of all the big companies and all of us, and not, not, not the conspiracy. You know, let me, let me bring up a famous quote there. 
never uh, never attribute to malice which can be ex- that which can be explained through incompetence and idiocy yeah exactly <laughs> okay great quote who said that i mean I, I i don't know but whoever they are i love them i mean <laughs> that's it, an old it, quote it that's just, been banged around it, forever it's so true it, it's just so true it's just stupidity and uh uh the president of chrysler um okay not iacocca um he went to gm He's going to tip my tongue. Anyways, great guy. I love him. Um, anyways, he was being asked by the media in the 1990s, why doesn't Chrysler make an electric vehicle? And he goes, oh, Chrysler can make an electric vehicle. I guarantee you, we can make the world's greatest electric vehicle that there is. It's just that we're going to sell our electric vehicle like Mattel sells their cars, batteries not included. Yeah. We're in the business of making cars, not in the business of developing battery technology or manufacturing battery technology, or implementing battery technology. Hey, I got, I got your source on this. It was a guy named uh, Robert J. Hanlon of Scranton, Pennsylvania, uh, who was inspired by Occam's razor, and he coined this, and it's called Han- Hanlon's Razor. And the exact <laughs> quote is, never attribute to malice that which is adequately explained by stupidity. Yep. There you go. <laughs> And you know what, Jack? You know what you and I are all about, really? And one of the things that makes this sh- makes the show really good is we're, we, we try to eliminate or remove as much ignorance or stupidity that there is in our audience. Both you and I try to bring things to the people that are hands-on. This is the way it works. This is how you use it. This is what you can do. Absolutely, and this is why it's not working now, and this is what can be done to fix it, or in some cases, it's pie-in-the-sky crap, and it ain't never going to work. Exactly, exactly. And, I mean, and, and that's what that's one of the reasons I love your audience is because they respond so good. They just eat it up. It's like, I didn't hear about this. Now I know. Now I can do it. You know, and that's one of the things we all should do to better our society is we give our, of ourselves to educate some, someone else, even if you're talking to a five-year-old kid, okay? I was talking to some teenager the other day, and he's saying, well, what type of job are you, you looking for? Oh, I want to do this. I want to do this. I told him, don't think of just in terms of what type of job you want to have or who you want to work for. I want you to think about what type of business you're going to create, Okay. And you know, start thinking about that. Start thinking about being independent. You sure work for everyone that you can. You learn so much, but then keep on taking all that knowledge and putting it in, you know, and make something. You know, start your own business one step at a time. Absolutely. Anyways, back to the subject of natural gas. Um, the, the tank pressures are increasing. Okay, right now, five thousand psi tanks are off the shelf. Uh, it used to be 3,000 psi was the standard. Then it went to 3,600. Now 5,000 psi tanks are available. So we're getting up towards being from one third to one half of the energy density of gasoline. Now 10,000 psi tanks are available. They have to be special ordered, but linking composites will wind a carbon fiber tank for you at 10,000 psi. Natural gas at 10,000 psi is the same amount of energy per unit of space as gasoline is. So if you could go 600 miles of, on a gasoline car, you'll be able to go 600 miles on a natural gas car if the tank is at 10,000 PSI. But the thing is, a 10,000 PSI compressor right now is not an off-the-shelf item, and it, it would cost $100,000 or more. And that's what really limits you from having fueling up at home right now off of natural gas. I mean, we can do the conversion. We can get a tank for maybe a thousand bucks or more, 
another, you know, $500 in parts, and your car can run off of gasoline and natural gas, you know, either or at the same time. And that's not hard. I can show you how to do it. The hard thing is you need at least a $4,000 compressor to compress the natural gas from your line pressure up to that of your car. And that's buying a scuba compressor, okay? And that's a cheap one. $8,000 is a good one. If you want one that can fill up, if you want one that you can rebuild when it wears out, you've got to buy one that's big enough to, for, for like a small fleet of 10 or 15 vehicles. That's costing you $15,000. And there was a company called Fuelmaker that had this little compressor that sat on the wall, and it would uh, slowly compress up your vehicle overnight, and it cost like $6,000, and after 4,000 hours, it turned itself off forever. It, it literally killed itself so it could never run again because it was considered disposable. And they went out of business, okay? They had a good product, even though it was expensive, and they went out of business. So, hey, guys, if you're listening to Steve Harris right now, you got a good compressor. You know how to make a 3,000 or 5,000 PSI compressor. If you think you can make it cheaper and you can bring it to market with your machine shop, I'll distribute it, okay? I can distribute the thing all day long. So there's an opportunity for anyone listening you know, go to stephenharris.net. There'll be a link on solar1234.com. You get my email, and you can email me and say, hey, I can make compressors. Okay, fine. I'll, I'll distribute them for you. So, you know, then we can start getting more and more people hooked on natural gas like we're getting them hooked on uh, ethanol right now. I think we've pretty well clobbered natural gas there. I think the next thing on your list is propane. Uh, next thing is propane. And believe me, I could talk for another hour on natural gas. Okay, vehicles run on propane very well. Just look at any forklift, okay? Almost any forklift running around you runs on electricity or runs on propane. There is a huge amount of items on the market for running engines off of propane. And the, coincidentally, the same things also work pretty good for natural gas. <laughs> but um, and look at the life of a forklift engine. I mean, engines that run on natural gas or propane have a great life. The fuel burns so pure, the oil hardly gets, con gets contaminated. There's very little wear on it. And so these engines just go forever. You can go to eBay and you can type in, you know, uh, propane carburetor, uh, propane regulator, or forklift propane. And you can see all the parts that you can use to run your vehicle off of propane. Uh, IMCO, I-M-P-C-O, is a big manufacturer of these parts. Uh, there's no timing changes needed on uh, propane. You've got to do a little bit of a timing change on natural gas for your vehicle to run off of it. Uh, propane runs like gasoline, uh, you know, 15, 12 degrees before top dead center. Uh, a great deal of vehicles in Australia run on propane. People from, from you know, the land of Oz write to me and say, oh, my car runs on propane right now and everything else. Now, to, technically, to run on propane, I've put in propane tanks, 100-pound propane tanks in the back of my pickup truck, my diesel, and I've run the propane into my diesel engine at the same time. I had my own Steve Harris controller to do it. But technically, you've got to have a separate tank as a Department of Transportation-rated, DOT-rated tank to hold propane. And they make them, they sell them out there, you can find them. And you're supposed to pay your road tax, Jack, on, if you're running on propane. So if I go down to the propane station, of which there's one around me, I'm actually taxed on that propane as if I'm taxed on gasoline for the road fuel. Hmm. Now, the thing is, if you're in the country and you got what's called a 500 or 1,000-gallon pig, you know what one of those are, Jack? 
I know exactly what that is. Yeah. Okay, it's the big white tank sitting outside of your house. If you got one of those at your home, you might consider running up a propane because you're buying that propane pretty cheaply, especially when you buy it in the summertime. And you can fill up your propane tank in your vehicle off of your peg. And uh, you can probably be driving for anywhere between a buck twenty-five and two fifty a gallon on gas equivalent off of your propane from your propane pig. So that's wow. – in the city, I wouldn't run off of propane because I don't have a supply of it. But, I mean, if you got a 500,000-gallon pig for your furnace and your stove, hey, you got a bulk supply being delivered to you on a regular basis at a pretty darn good price. Awesome, awesome, and awesome so stuff. So propane's Steve. not as economical as natural gas. Natural gas is still cheaper. But the thing is, people don't understand, propane's a liquid under pressure. I can take natural gas at 30,000 PSI. It's still a gas. You take propane up to about 250, and it becomes liquid. And that's at 100 degrees Fahrenheit. It becomes uh, liquid at you know, 85 degrees Fahrenheit. It's probably about 150. So just a little bit of pressure, and it goes into a liquid. So liquid has a lot more energy density to it than a gas does. Gotcha. So, um, again, no computer changes. You just need to have a good source of propane. you got a propane pig. You can do it. Uh, it's more economical than gasoline, and it's something that uh, you can do. Awesome, awesome. Oh. Hey, I've got, well, I mean, it, it, once again, we've eaten up, like, more time than we usually allocate. So I think we're going to have to wrap here. So I'm going to have to bring you back to talk about hydrogen and some other things in the future if you're willing to do that. Yeah, I'll come back from my eighth appearance, and I'll talk all about hydrogen, all about fuel cells, fuel cell cars, fuel cells in your home, what works, what doesn't work, what you can expect to see in the future. So you can go, yeah, this will work for me, or yeah, it won't work for me. And I will debunk all the stuff for hydrogen. But really, just one word before we go into this, before we stop. Anything regarding hydrogen that's under hood, you're pouring water into it, anything called HHO, OOH, hydroxy, guys, it's all BS. It's all magic beans. Stay away from it like the plague. I know you're looking for stuff to save fuel because it's four bucks a gallon. I'll talk about it in detail. Jack will have me on as soon as he can, and we'll go over hydrogen in detail. But the word to the wise right now is stay away from anything that's claiming to give you a fuel economy increase that has anything to do with hydrogen because until I get into the subject with you, you're going to be throwing your money away. And, uh, I uh, with that, agree with that. With that, I'm so happy to be here. I really love bringing this stuff to you. Again, I really love helping you and bringing up your level of information and giving you the best information that I can. All the show notes are at solar1234.com. Links to everything I talked about will be at solar1234.com. Don't forget the ethanol uh, distiller is on is available now. Go to imakemygas.com, link at solar1234.com, and the TSP MSB 15% discount applies. And how long is that going to apply for folks who might be listening in the future? Because I know you can't just keep doing that. You do it on your, your books and DVDs because the margins there make it more possible to right. do. But on this, it's a physical, it's, a, it's, it's more of a mechanical physical product, more, more cost on your end. So I'll how do long it are you going until Cinco de Mayo, until May okay. 5th. 
till May 5th, till uh, the 5th of May, folks, you have to take up that offer on the uh, the distillation kit. And I'll tell you, I can't wait to get my hands on that new enzyme thing that you have. Uh, and uh, I really look forward to making some uh, some alcohol fuel without having to fire up the uh, propane burner for a change. Yeah, yeah. I mean, who knows? Jack might make a good beer, too. Uh, I don't know. I will have to check that out and see what the uh, see if it creates any kind of off flavors or anything doing things differently. I'm not sure. We'll have to we'll give it a whirl and see what it does, man. Okay. So, hey, man. With that, thanks thanks for being back on the show. Oh, again. thanks for having me. It really, it's, it's a it's a treat. It's a pleasure to talk to TSP all the time. Awesome, awesome. Well, folks, with that, this has been Jack Spierko today, along with Stephen Harris, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough, or even if they. Sometimes we forget we are what we eat. I don't know the answer. It's like there's nothing I can do. It's the price we pay, I guess, when we follow all the rules. There's a better way to do this. Let me show you a better way. Shine is you.